Hello, I'm Kimberly Davis, and I am the Fiscal Feminist. Hi, I'm Kimberly Davis, and I'm the Fiscal Feminist. I'm also a managing director and partner in the Bonson Group, a wealth management practice with offices in Newport Beach, California, and New York City. So today, we are going to talk about how did your investment portfolio perform during the COVID-19 crisis? Do you have a solid strategy? And more importantly, did you panic? Be truthful. The past few months have been a real roller coaster ride in the stock market. Many people are fearful of the volatility in the stock market and are irrationally driven by fear to cash out of their strategy and they become less inclined to invest in the future. In a March 2020 survey of registered voters cited by Statista, over one third of adults reported that they were less likely to invest in the stock market based on what they knew about the coronavirus. Only 12% of respondents said they were more likely to invest. Hmm. I think these statistics demonstrate panicked and not prudent decision-making. So let's start with how does our behavior and psychological state affect our investment strategy? Most people believe the market movement is dictated primarily by traditional economic theories. But that theory is a fallacy. Behavioral economics reveals that stock price movement is frequently influenced by emotional decisions made by investors, not rationality. During increased volatility, such as the COVID-19 pandemic, investors made more decisions based on emotions, bias, and fear, and not rational, unemotional decision-making. The three key biases that become prevalent during market turbulence are Effect, herd behavior, and loss aversion. So, what are these biases and what should we be looking for in our own decision making? So, let's t- talk about effect. Effect is when we shortcut the decision making by letting good or bad feelings influence us instead of logical responses to information. During market turbulence, one of the most prevalent emotions to surface in investors is fear. During a sudden drop, remember March 9th, March 12th, and March 16th of this year when the market dropped 8%, 10%, and 13%, overwhelming fear is triggered by panic in many investors, and they overestimate the risk of losing their money permanently. If they have a diversified portfolio and a long-term strategy, this is an irrational fear, that could cause permanent capital loss if the fear causes them to liquidate at lows. The second type of bias is herd behavior. Think about sheep for a minute. Herd behavior is when we act like sheep and we do what everybody else seems to be doing rather than making decisions based on knowledge, information, and rationality. With incessant media coverage and fear-mongering, Investors stay glued to their televisions and think they should do what everybody else seems to be doing, or at least what the media is saying everybody else is doing. Collective pessimism can lead to stock prices crashing, regardless of their fundamental values. We might as well be sheep with this kind of behavior. The third bias is loss aversion. 
Loss aversion is the result of people not feeling gains and losses equally. We experience losses twice as strongly as gains. If we lose $100, it hurts exponentially more compared to the good feeling we have if we gain $100. I see this a lot in my own clients. They have some substantial gains and they're happy about that, but their reaction to loss is much more severe and much more intense. Loss aversion makes us want to avoid risk, and it will cause us to make conservative changes that may not actually be aligned with our long-term goals. By definition, investing involves risk, and as the historical facts reveal, even with dips, long-term investing is the most efficient route to growing one's capital. So let's look at the actual facts. What's the real deal here? So, fact, there is no reward without risk period. That goes in the stock market and any other part of your life. This factoid does not mean throwing caution to the wind and treating the stock market like Las Vegas and taking on outsized irrational risks. Risk involves uncertainty, but with unemotional decision-making based on fundamental analysis, risk can be managed and be used to create opportunity. As an investor, we must learn to stomach volatility. I mean, it's just part of the gig. We have to learn to deal with it. COVID-19 initially caused a very short and intense drop in the market with a quick recovery. That said, there continues to be a lot of intraday volatility, i.e. there's a lot of volatility within every stock market trading day. So, for example, on June 15th, the market was up approximately 750 points at the opening, up 250 points midday. Then it turned negative, and then it rallied to close positive at 157 points. I think that qualifies as a roller coaster ride. So clearly focusing on intraday movements is exhausting and really is not indicative of long-term results. Fact two, the S&P 500 index had an average annual return of 11.81% from 1980 through the end of the year of 2019. Wow, that sounds like a great annual return, right? Well, it does to me. But let's put that annual return in context. During that time period, there were up years and there were down years, and the index returned between 9% and 12% annually only three times during that time period. Usually it was above or below the average annual return of 11.81%, and sometimes significantly. So we need to be long-term players so that returns that fluctuate yearly are given the time to grow and produce solid annual returns over time. So what is the definition of an annual return? It doesn't mean the return that you get in one year. When we talk about an annualized total return, I'm going to give you the definition of this in Investopedia. It states that an annualized total return is the geometric average amount of money earned by an investment each year over a given time period. The operative words to focus on are over a given time period. So you're going to take a period of 10 years, let's say, and then you'll look at the different returns every year, and then you do an averaging, and that will give you your annual return per year. Many investors don't remember that volatility, whether a week, a day, or a year, 
is historically very short-term. Patience is your friend in the stock market, and if you reframe your point of view to look at short-term volatility from a long-term perspective, it will totally change its significance to you. So, if $10,000 was invested in 1980 at an 11.81% average annual return, the $10,000 had grown to $870,281 in 2019, even though there was occasional volatility along the way. So some years between 1980 and 2019, the stock market was up. Some years it was down. So some years you had gains and some years you had losses. But over the entire period, you still managed to make a lot of money and 11.881% return. So clearly having patience and not reacting emotionally paid off if you stayed the course with your $10,000 investment even when the market might be down for a year. Fact three, volatility can provide opportunistic gain if approached with rational behavior and a solid strategy driven by fundamentals. So let's stay with the example we were just talking about. If we have two investors who both invested $10,000 on December 31st, 1979, with one investor, and we'll call him the opportunistic one, who invested during a market drop of 8%, and the other investor, who is the apprehensive one, who shifted assets to cash or safer investments on a market drop, the opportunistic investor's strategy resulted in a significantly greater investment value in 2019. In fact, the opportunistic investor had an investment valued at approximately $1.3 million in 2019 and the apprehensive investor's investment was valued at approximately $408,000 in 2019. That's a pretty big difference. The path chosen definitely had consequences to the long-term outlook and the future retirement prospects of of those respective investors. So let's embrace volatility with our eyes wide open. No fear. The upshot is that volatility is our friend. I'm not saying that it doesn't cause trepidation, but what I am saying is that the historical facts support the thesis that having a solid long-term investment strategy and riding out the short-term dips along the way bears fruit that one cannot achieve in cash or very conservative investments. Volatility simply is the price movement of an investment, and the facts show that it is not permanent. Since 1949, there have been nine periods of 20% or greater declines in the S&P 500. The average 33% decline of these cycles can be very painful to endure, but missing out on the average bull market's 268% return is even more painful. Most bear markets have had a relatively short duration, 14 months on average, which also makes trying to time the market in the short term a fool's errand full of unpredictable outcomes. So there are dangers of cashing out at lows, and that's labeled the sequence of returns risk. So let's talk about that. Sequence of return risk is the danger that the timing of withdrawals from an investment account will have a negative impact on the overall rate of return available to the investor. Typically, this is a major risk for a retiree who depends on the income from a lifetime of investing to live on during retirement. 
and who no longer is contributing new capital that could offset the, the losses. However, this significant adverse effect also holds true for an investor who is considering withdrawing during severe market downturns. As was previously discussed, portfolio withdrawals compound losses, making it harder and taking longer to recover from a portfolio decline, especially one that comes early on in the sequence. So what does this all mean? It basically means that timing is everything. And I have a chart in the blog, but I'm going to explain it in the podcast. If an investor takes out $60,000 per year when there is a downturn, the effect is very detrimental to the longevity of the portfolio. That is if you compare it to if they took out $60,000 during the same period when the market was up. So taking out money when the market is down really has an outsized effect in deteriorating the amount of your portfolio. So if that person took out $60,000 during a five-year period, where in the first year the market was down 7%, then down 4%, then up 12%, and so on and so forth, that investor would lose a lot more money than another investor who took out the same amount of money if the market was up in the first two years. So timing is everything when you're looking at growth of a portfolio. Enough said. What is the strategy to endure volatility and not lose money permanently? Diversification, fundamentals, and a disciplined long-term strategy. Of course. Diversification is a technique that reduces risk by allocating investments among various financial instruments, industries, and other categories. It aims to maximize returns by investing in different areas that would each react differently to the same event. But please note that it may come with lower rewards in the short term because the risk is mitigated. Although it does not guarantee against loss, diversification is the most important component of reaching long-range financial goals while minimizing risk and volatility within your portfolio. But again, that said, there's always going to be some level of volatility. But through diversification, you can hedge the volatility because part of the allocation is reacting differently to the same set of circumstances. The goal of diversification is not really to boost outsized performance, but it does have the potential to improve returns, whatever risk level you choose. If one portion of your portfolio is declining, it may ensure that other portions are not declining or not, or not declining as much. It is best to have a mix of stocks, bonds, and alternatives in your portfolio. I'm going to explain what alternatives are because I'm not sure many of you have heard that term before, but they are investments that are uncorrelated to the broad stock market. They don't necessarily move in the same direction, and they can include things like liquid hedge funds, hedge funds, REITs, private equity, and other types of investments that are not directly linked to the stock market. So focus on the fundamentals of companies when you're stock investing. Remember that buying stocks is buying ownership in a company. Does the company have cash flow, too much debt, good management, and are they allocating funds for capital expenditures and shareholder return and dividends? Also, be mindful of over-concentration in one stock. Probably prudent not to have one stock make up more than 5% of your portfolio. With respect to bond investments, Consider varying elements such as maturities, 
credit qualities, and sensitivity to interest rate changes. Once you have your mix, on a regular basis, check the weightings of each allocation to make sure that they still make sense given current market conditions. From time to time, you may need to rebalance the percentages in your allocations. And finally, don't try to market time and have a short-term strategy. Market timing is impossible and it's very risky. Be a patient and long-term investor. Do your research and be intentional in your investing. I would also recommend consulting with a reputable investment advisor who is a fiduciary, if possible, as they can give you advice on your strategy, given your time horizon, risk tolerance, and your long-term goals. So my take on all of this is the following. Panic and fear are not your friends. The facts of the benefits of long-term disciplined investing speak for themselves. Be intentional in your strategy and diversify your allocations. Do your research and don't act like a sheep. Don't make emotional investment moves. That's it from the Fiscal Feminist for this week. I look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Ignorance is not bliss. As women, burying our heads in the sand when it comes to our money has dire consequences. But yet, so many of us have employed this detrimental strategy. After over two decades of experience, I've discovered that women face a twofold crisis of competence and confidence regarding how they approach and handle finances. It's time to close that gap. I wrote The Fiscal Feminist, a financial wake up call for women, to teach women how to take charge of their money and control their financial destinies. This book will help you achieve financial literacy, establish the right tools and rules for managing your money and relationships, and to plan for your future. It's time to gain and maintain financial wellness on your own terms. Head to FiscalFeminist.com to order your copy today.